Live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino, it's Throw the Flag. Again, this is the 80s that we're giving Walter Payton all the credit for, too. With your hosts, Gooch. How many drugs were the offensive linemen on? I mean, we have to factor these things in. <laughs> and Willie Ramirez. But the only person that I that I know of that's, that's confirmed that ha- was on drugs was... Thomas Hollywood Henderson on ESPN Las Vegas. He says, there I was standing in the New Orleans Superdome during the Super Bowl snorting cocaine. Right. Which is a fantastic story. Have you heard that story? It sounds like a fantastic party. He, he's got a, he's got a yes. Here we go. Throw the flag. Inaugural show. It's your buddy Gooch with Willie Ramirez down here at the Golden Circle Sports Bar at the Treasure Island. One week away from football. I can't believe it myself i'm so stoked one week away i've already watched the hall of fame game we got the hall of fame ceremonies going getting underway we're we're, we're underway i've been to camp for the past two weeks you know you football's in camp throw the flag baby you yeah you're already there all yeah. right see here's the deal you're already my in the cleats sun. are on yeah you're in the sun and this is the one thing you got to understand about willie you like to wear sports like gear all the time so you feel like you're in the system right well Let's 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 be let's be clear. You're going to hear the word perfect a lot over the next 14 weeks because I will always generally be in perfect gear. This is mine and my son's gym. Okay. So now, real quick, if you've never seen uh, Willie and myself, if you take a look at Willie, there's something about you that that you're always put together so well. Jewelry, t-shirt, pants, everything always. You always look like you smell good. <laughs> me, on the other hand, you take a look at me and you're like, you look like you smell like. A substance that we don't want to really talk about here on the radio. You understand? Well, it's, it's Nevada. It's, it's Nevada. I don't want to say not, it out loud. Not in Russia. I, and this is the, no doubt, right? If there's anything in this in this world that made me so happy to be an American, it was that news. Oh my! What a reality check. Yeah. What a reality check for all Americans. By the way. Brittany, our prayers are with you. But let's get back to Golden Circle Sportsbook. Throw the flag. Uh, we did this last year with Tyler, and now we got me and you now, Willie. What's going to change? Well, I don't know because I listened to the show, and I always enjoyed it when I was driving to wherever I was going Saturday mornings. If I was headed out to the to a stadium, to a practice, I was going to cover the Raiders, going to UNLV. Um, I just know that I probably wa- – if I've watched ten movies in the last year – it's probably nine more than Tyler's watched in the last five years. No, no, say let's say fifteen. <laughs> so Tyler's knowledge and analytics, like he, like I wish, I wish I could log on to TylerBischoff.com and just. I think that his knowledge of analytics is probably better than, like, the sportsreference.com sites. Yes. I wish I could just dial up uh, Tyler on the Internet and pull the stats that I want because the dude is remarkable. So you're not going to get that from me, but I am an analytical guy. It's just going to be not as deep. Like, I won't lose you 10 minutes into the conversation on stats. So so, so we're not going to be talking about a lot of stats in terms of how in-depth, but we are going to talk a lot of sports. Yes. Here's the difference. Tyler will give you a stat like down to the decimal point, like yeah. a completion percentage, right. 68.5. You'll when, just give us 68, but you'll also have a Arnold Schwarzenegger reference that the world can understand. Well, yeah, where Tyler will break it down as to why, because this guy was on the field and he, he you know, he, and when he's on the field in his past, these stats, I'm going to tell you why those stats are, are relevant because of the workouts that he did and what he may have done in his off-season training and how much he benched and how much he squatted. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you were right there with a pad of paper 
Now, have you ever been to the to the scouting combines? Have you ever no. been through something like that? No, I, I and and I barely watched it just because. I don't know whether it's the ADHD or or what it is, but to sit there and watch, like I used to when I was a little kid, I I could tell you stories as to why this is this what I do for a living. Okay, was tailor made. I'm talking about like taking an old school tape recorder and recording myself while muting Howard Cosell and doing play by play of Monday Night Football. Okay, uh, keeping the box scores of now the late great Vince Gully calling Dodgers games because it was always televised here in Las Vegas on Channel Five when there was no Fox; it was just KVVU, and I would do box scores. So I was always a sports fan. I was always in tune with what was going on with the sports world. And one thing about you is you are in tune with this city. You've been in, you've been dealing with the city. You used to DJ in the city. You yeah. understand. All the you understand the seedy side of Vegas. You got the real side. That's what happens when you're a DJ and you're just you're in that party scene. You've probably seen a lot of amazing things in this town, and yeah. then you've seen how far the town has come. Right? Yeah, you're talking about 1972. As a matter of fact, yesterday was the I want to say 56th birthday. Uh, 1966 is that 56? Um, birthday Caesar's Palace, and the picture that I tweeted, it showed flamingo splitting. The Dunes and Caesars, and then you either get on the 15 going north or south. Right. You didn't go up West Flamingo, and that, I remember that. I remember those days where you couldn't go west on Flamingo, and you had to make a choice whether you were going east or north or south on the, on the 15. I remember when Caesars was the classy joint. And that was the place and where you get suited up to go to a show where the performer was going to perform two shows a night, one at 8, one at 10, and the 8 o'clock was a dinner show. And you got dressed up, and it meant something. Now you and I could go to a, to a show right. dressed the way we are right now. And, you know, back then the yeah, – I could wear a Who Farted t-shirt and right. go check out, like, a beautiful evening Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. So – um, you know, where Allegiant Stadium sitting, I remember when that was desert. There's, I mean, there's a lot of things. When where where T-Mobile's at, the Dunes Golf Course stretched from Flamingo to Trop, all the way aligning the uh, Interstate 15. So growing up here since 1972, obviously, yeah, I I used to watch the UNLV Running Rebels at the Rotunda. So I've seen this town grow from the Running Rebels to the Las Vegas Stars to all the little intermittent pro teams that came and went, the AFL, some soccer teams here and there, the Canadian Football League. Now all of a sudden we got the NHL, we got the WNBA, we got the NFL, and I got news for you. Get ready because in the next five years we're going to be a four-sport town, and in the next ten years we will be a five-sport town. LeBron has already said that he wants to get an NBA team in Las Vegas, and when the king speaks, speaks, we're going to listen. And and that's it's just watching. You've seen – this town just pretty much go from just – it was still the entertainment capital of the world. We were still getting, like, major events and stuff, but you've just seen it grow so exponentially. Yeah. And just to find us here right now, it's it's insane. Well, and here's – you want to – Steve, so when, when I'm on my regular week show with Cofield and Company, we bring this up often, but we're sitting here watching – as we're sitting here watching the Hall of Fame ceremony, right, with two Raiders going in, Richard Seymour and, and the late Cliff Branch – um, and they're now the Las Vegas Raiders. But talking about old school Las Vegas, a couple of years ago, my uncle was the entertainment at the Hall of Fame. I want to say it was at the dinner, not at the ceremony, but they have a dinner and a banquet or whatever. And he will rewrite the lyrics to the most famous song he wrote but does not get credit for because when I'm about to tell you, you'll think 
of somebody else because that's what saved his career. But one of the biggest names in the history of this town and number and one of the biggest names in the entertainment industry and songwriters is Paul Anka. And he wrote My Way for mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra. This was a time when Sinatra was ready to retire, ready to give it up. And he had some thoughts. He said, kid, what can you do for me? And he wrote My Way. And as you know, and now the end is near. And so I, that, was, that was his life. And it basically put him back on track for about 10 years, whatever it was. But anyway, my uncle was actually invited by his good friend Eddie DeBartolo when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And he performed at the Hall of Fame just a few years ago. So, I mean, a lot of full circles, if you will. I just texted him with the texted with my uncle the other day. It was his birthday on July thirtieth. So yeah, it's a, it's it's been a long run in Las Vegas since nineteen seventy two. Outside of two and a half years, I moved away. But man, to see this town where it is now, there are parts of it I don't like. There are parts of the transition of what I've seen my my hometown t- uh, city. You know, I was born in New York, but growing up here. Um, that I'm not appreciative of, but there's a lot of it that I do appreciate. And, you know, being able to cover anywhere from high school sports to college sports to now pro sports and be here on the radio, you know, sort of just refurbishing my radio career. I got my first start at the Stardust line in 1992 or three with Seat Williams, familiar name to this mm-hmm. uh, company. Um, so, yeah, it's it's and, and I'm looking forward to this. You know, they said, hey, do you want to? team up with Gooch and I was like are you kidding me I love that dude now we've met I've met you three four times in the past week and I was like Jesus I had to get all pumped up I was up at 240 this morning oh come on you're making me blush over here <laughs> let's come do on. it guy you see here's the best part you have this amazing track record when it comes to sports and they basically just looked at me and they go hey Gooch doesn't swear that much let's team him with Willie <laughs> that's pretty much it <laughs> and even and, and what they don't know is the words in the vial that come out when we're not on the air. See, and that's the that's why that's why we're not streaming uh, offline. You see what I'm saying? We don't want to make sure that we get fired immediately. But down here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook, uh, again, you look around, nothing but television. And when football is here, we're going to actually be going to be on every college football uh, Saturday, and you're not going to be able to turn your head without seeing sports. Like right now, obviously, there is no football going on but hey at least we have ESP and the Ocho that we'll be talking about here in a little yeah. bit yes we got that we got that and we get to watch guys throw knives and that's just as exciting as football right there's a lot of things that they're going on with the Ocho they got it they're getting you pumped up for football but uh, you know what's getting you pumped up for football is the sports books the futures the the win totals I had some food in here yesterday we did Cofield and company because we're here on Friday nights and we're here Saturdays and man let me tell you the menu prices outstanding um, you got to get down here and check out the the uh, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. We are going to be down here every Friday night. We're going to be uh, uh, well. Well, you and I are going to be here every Saturday, every Saturday morning. But I'm saying, just come on down. Yeah, it's seriously the vibe is great. If you're a sports fan, this is where to be. And you were saying, you know, this is the, the Ocho's getting us pumped up for, for for football. And I'm like, I think the lack of football is the thing that's getting me pumped up for football. Like I need yeah. real meaningful games. I'm- these guys laid on the line, and there really is nothing quite like uh, football, college football, NFL football. There's nothing that takes that. And one of the, you know what's gotten me is that in the NFL they really don't take the time off. Once the once the Super Bowl is done, all of a sudden there's the combine, then there's the draft, then there's OTAs, then there's a mandatory minicamp. Now all of a sudden we're in training camp. So the NFL really there's really no time off, and I'm heading down. T- to the other side of town, to the Raiders facility. I'm heading, you know, so it's a it's a constant, um, there's constant action in terms of the writing business 
and covering and even on the radio. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm ready. I'm ready for week one of the preseason. We've got the Hall of Fame game out of the way. We got a big show ahead of us. All right. Well, we just got the jitters out. Let's go to break here in a little bit. We're going to be back with more talk about Mr. Charisma himself. It's Throw the Flag on ESPN Radio. Before I ever ran a casino or got myself blown up, Ace Rothstein was a hell of a handicapper. I can tell you that. I was so good that whenever I bet, I could change the odds for every bookmaker in the country. I'm serious. I had it down so cold. Throw the flag back again from the Golden Circle Sportsbook at the Treasure Island. And I brought up Mr. Charisma. And there's a reason why I'm wearing the Raiders shirt. Everybody knows I'm a Browns fan, but I love my Las Vegas Raiders mainly because of Mark Davis. He seems like the most down-to-earth owner. He and they, and there, was a, there was a viral video that just came out about him <laughs> that just showed him, like, just destroying some chicken wings. I was so upset with the fact that it's, it's fine if you just want to say, hey, there's Mark. Like, if I was tweeting that video, it would be like, I tweet, okay, perfect example. He sits directly across from us at the Aces games, okay? He's got his courtside seat, and he, when, during the breaks, during the timeouts, the, the, the dance troops that come out, there's the seniors, the senior ladies, high rollers, they call them, right? They got the young kid the dance troupe or the halftime show. This dude gets into it. Then he disappears into the courtside club. He gets his food. He gets it. If I was tweeting a video of him eating chicken wings, I would be like, heck yeah. Look at Mark Davis having a good time. Screw the white blazer, enjoying himself. There's people out there ridiculing him because he was eating chicken wings and talking at the same time. Come on. This is a dude who he has got to be the number one owner who is in love with his environment. Right, and that's what I'm getting at. He is a fan first. Right. He is he's an owner, but he's a fan first. And that's what's so sad about being famous is there's just always going to be some douche out there that just wants to catch you on video and then acting like a normal person and then put you on blast for some reasons. Like, what, what joy do you get out of that? Look at this guy enjoying chicken wings. All right, can you show me something that matters? I mean, look at him. He's, he's eating chicken wings. This is great entertainment. Really? It was fantastic. What else was fantastic, though, was the Raiders. So they opened up a bit of a favorite. The line dipped. It actually went toward Jacksonville, and then Jacksonville announces that they were sitting their starters. And most of their, including Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. Um, so the line all of a sudden shifts, and the Raiders go to two and a half. The Sharps were betting this game. Now, sometimes you're going to see the Sharps get in on the um, preseason when they know it's not necessarily inside information, but they're going to dig deep. They're going to have, especially the betting groups, the major betting groups, they're getting ready for the regular season. They're going to have their, their analysts their researchers keep an eye on every single beat writer that's that's covering NFL teams. They're going to read, and the second that it breaks that a quarterback's playing and not playing, where how much time is this one going to get? How much time is the offensive line, the defensive, the the this defense is going to play two quarters. This starting quarterback's going to play this. The sharps start jumping in. So the sharps moved the line. The Raiders ended up covering. It went over the posted total with that last touchdown. So how long does that usually take for all that information to come in, though? For well, the, for, just, for the sharps to gather. Well, so in a sense, weekly in preseason, you're going to get the coach probably once or twice a week, right? You're going to get them pregame, and then you're going to get them one time. And it's going to be the beat writer's jobs to ask the question, hey, how, who's, who's playing? Who's in? Who at starter? So, for instance, this week when I'm out there for AP, we're going to ask Josh McDaniels, you know, okay, you, you got to see 
your running backs by committee, right? You got to see Zamir White. You got to see Josh Jacobs. Kenyon Drake was banged up. You got to see Amir Abdullah. How are you looking for this week? Who's going to get the time? Will Derek Carr get in the game? We'll expect him to tell us if – remember, preseason's been shrunk from four games to three. The Raiders and Jaguars will have four. So he didn't play in the first game. Now, in a regular preseason, before they shortened it, you'd see the starters maybe for a quarter, if not two series in the first quarter. The third week, you're going to get them. That's when, that's the dress the rehearsal, the dress yeah. rehearsal. So we may see Derek Carr this week. Now they're going to play the Vikings here in Vegas – Will the Viking? That's the question. So, you know, we'll go. We'll run the lines here in a minute. But throughout the week, midweek is where your coaches are going to have their media availability. Every team's going to be different. And you know, if you're going to bet the preseason, uh, it's, it's not necessarily that simple. But the intangibles you're looking for are simple. You want to know how far your starters are going to go into the game. You want to know if your starting quarterback is playing and how long he's going to be in. And you really want to know what the opposition is doing with the defense. Some analysts, some real sharp analysts, including someone who will be jumping in here from time to time with us, uh, Jonathan Von Tobel, JVT, they'll talk about the coaches and whether or not coaches care about preseason, who actually puts effort into winning and makes it a big deal. Some could care less. They just want to see schematics. They want to see what their systems are going to do. They want to see what their players can do. They want to see what their reserves can do. And they could care less about the preseason record. You know, there are, there are a lot of successful coaches out there who shrug their shoulders. You know, Belichick, eh, he could care less, really. I mean, you know, there are guys out there, are certain coaches who care, certain ones that don't. And that's what you've got to put into. It almost feels like this is the moment for the fourth-round pick and below to really shine. It you is. Know? It is because you don't – I'm sorry. Um, because you – this is a time where, you know, guys are going to about to be cut. So those third and fourth string guys, those units, some of them won't be around or, the, or you know, you never know. And that's why it's important. Like with the Raiders, there's no telling what's going on with this offensive line. There's no telling what's going on. You know, a lot of the question mark was why did Josh Jacobs play two series, the first two series in the Hall of Fame game? Was it a sign that, you know, that he's going to be a backup? Is it, was it an audition for the Raiders to say, hey, other teams – when you start cutting guys, he's on the block, and here's what he's worth. You know, I've been on I've been on record in saying that I believe that Darren Waller, who was not extended, has been promised he will be taken care of. The Raiders got about twenty one plus million in their coffers. Okay, what I believe is that he, he's been told you're going to be taken care of. But look, we need to solidify this offensive line. We need to get through a couple of games of preseason. Let's see what's happening. Let's see who goes on waivers. It would not shock me. Would not shock me. I'm not predicting this, but it would not shock me with how Josh Jacobs was used, the fact that he was not picked up for a fifth-year option. Hey, he's doing great. You guys want him. Let's go get a top-notch offensive line with a draft pick maybe. Here's Josh Jacobs. Now we've swapped. Now we know where our money's at. Let's sign Darren Waller, get him ready for He's extended for the start of the season. There's only one guy left, really veteran, that could lead a unit that needs to be discussed, and he's just he's 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 a ball of fire, and that's Denzel Perryman. And I think this just guy he's he's so far into his career, he's a veteran, like he just wants to play and hit somebody. Mm-hmm. So, and you were talking about uh, just the running back by committee. I mean, this is Josh McDaniels we're talking about. Name name a running back of note. I mean, like you have Sony Michelle, sure, but 
even he was part of the committee. So they've never really – the Patriots never – under Josh McDaniels, they never really focused on, like, one back unless you go all the way back to, like, Corey Dillon. Right. I mean, it's really been a while since they had, like, a workhorse back. So I, that, that idea, that, that theory you're throwing around with Josh Jacobs possibly getting traded, I mean, it makes sense to me. Yeah, and I, and, and I, um, I had said um, – I had said once that I, or about a month or so ago to Adam Hill uh, during Cofield and Company that I wanted, or my hot take was going to be that Kenyon Drake would be the key block, uh, key key back. Um, I was going to say block, blocking back, but no, the key back coming out of the backfield because he's been known to be versatile and to catch the ball. Not that Josh Jacobs isn't. But Kenyon Drake has a little bit of experience, and Zamir White is the target to be the star running back of this team. And with what we saw, he was not known to be a guy out of college to catch the ball in the backfield. What I saw the other night, he stole the sh- For me, he was the winner the other night for the Raiders. He was the guy. He, he ran the ball well. He ran it with a purpose. He caught the ball in the backfield. I thought he looked fantastic. And this was a guy that we were wondering, okay, what's going on with him? Because he, you know, he was dinged up a little bit coming into training camp and throughout training camp the first couple of weeks, but I thought he looked fantastic. Who are you looking most forward to seeing uh, under this Josh McDaniels offense? Um, it's too easy to say Devontae Adams, but I really am excited to see Derek Carr, that chemistry. I hope it doesn't fizzle out because I really want Derek Carr to be able to, you know, and I say this objectively, you know, I'm not a, I'm not trying to be a stan of the Raiders or Derek Carr or anybody, but he's the type of guy that, I relate a lot to in terms of in life where I, I really hope he middle fingers a lot of people that have MF'd him for a mm-hmm. lot a lot of his career. And I, so I hope he's able to turn around and kind of fanable to, to, to a lot of people. In a way, I look at his career, it's very similar to, to Matt Stafford where it's like the talent was there. I remember when he was uh, getting going to get drafted and there, were, there was all this uh, pre-draft, pre-draft chatter and they were talking about how he was clearly, out of all the quarterbacks, this is the Johnny Manziel year, mind you, out of all the quarterbacks, he was clearly the one that had the most arm talent. He could throw it from any angle, and he could make any pass. They kept, like, just lamenting that. And then somehow he fell to the second round, and the Raiders were like, yoink, we'll take him. And it ended up working out pretty well, and he's done well without the best cast. This year, by the way, I do like his cast. The offensive line is definitely a little suspect. Yeah. But I do like him being in the Josh McDaniels offense because the guy I'm most excited for is Hunter Renfro. Yeah. He's the one that could turn into the Julian Edelman type uh, player. And all he's got to do is just spot the one-on-one. And if, and if Carr is looking that way, that's well, an easy five yards right there. Well, and he's got the options too, right? So he's got Waller in a double tight end set. He's going to have Foster Morrow. He's got Hunter Renfro coming out of the slot. Like you said, the Wes Welker, Justin Edelman type. And then he's got Devontae Adams to go up top. Now you got Ty Johnson and you got Mac Hollins battling for, for WR3. I really, I think if they stay healthy, and I've, uh, you know, Cofield and I have a bet. I already beat him once. Um, and we all, it, it, basically the bet's to the uh, restaurant of our choice. Okay. He already knows where he's going to he's gonna have to shell out some ducks. Um, Subway? Nice. No. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> We're going to Big an old school baller. Italian joint of mine. Um, but um, I have plus two and a half wins. He has the Chiefs. I have the Raiders. Okay. So, but I've said that they could be a ten-win team. Hey, let's we 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 got a little bit of time here. Let's go through week one of the preseason. Okay. 
because we are down here at the Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, and they got your lines up. They got college football right now. Let's talk about the NFL preseason week one Thursday. Get started. Giants at New England. New England laying two, one and a half across. You know, it's, it's, it's split up a little bit. And Tennessee and Baltimore. Baltimore looking like a five-point favorite. The Ravens are an intriguing team to me this season. So I, 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 um, I, I, I want to see. Go ahead. Well, I mean, it all depends on Lamar Jackson's health. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there was the first two, three seasons, he just looked like a Superman. And now he's starting to look a little more human. Yeah. And, again, when you play that way, and I don't want to say he's, he's reckless because he does avoid the major hits. But still, those hits still add up. These are 200-plus-pound people slamming into him. Well, and that's – it. Uh, you know, pe- I, people say that. And I'm not knocking you here and saying, well, the way that they play. That's his style. It's the way that the people are defending him. So he's got a target on his back. People, you don't think that people in the locker room – and I'm not saying – I'm not accusing anyone of doing wrongdoing, but their job is to hurt people. Their job yeah. is to – come. their defensive linemen and linebackers are – you don't think they're like, hey, let's go, let's go crack heads. Right? Yeah. We're, not, we're not trying to hurt, break limbs, and cause concussions, but we want to – Break you, right? We want to break your spirit. Take, break your spirit. So that's his style of play causes people to play reckless and defend him that way. So yeah, I, I get it. But he's an MVP. He's going to take care of his body. And if he wants those dollars and he wants to prove what his worth, I just would to like to him. see him be a better drop back passer. That's it. It's just whenever the pass is kind of telegraphed, that's when he struggles just a little bit. It's always the threat of the run. If the threat of the run is there with Lamar Jackson, he is un- he's crazy unstoppable he can be a perfect player sometimes and it's frustrating to watch uh, so and one of the lines also I, i'm looking at on friday the browns are at jacksonville jacksonville now they say the teams that play in the hall of fame obviously have a game under their belt right the browns are going through it right now with deshaun Watson. Yes. no there's a question mark up in the air with with that team it has to be jags are minus one and a half I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if Lawrence gets in the game in this one. Etienne gets some playing time. Jacksonville minus one and a half. It's an intriguing number to look at. And on top of that, too, with the Browns, this is a whole new quarterback team. This is a whole quarterback room that is brand new. All these quarterbacks on the team. This is their first year in the system. Now, who's your football team? The Browns. Oh, the Browns. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. So my oh boy. Yeah, watching them, and again, it's it was so funny. I remember in 2016, you know, by that time they had what two seasons where they won one game one game in two seasons and the only solace we could take was like oh at least we don't have the uh dirtbag quarterback in the any division and now it's like okay (laughs) forget what i was saying all those years ago on saturday the defending champs the rams and charger they'll be playing at their stadium chargers are laying three and then monday or sunday night or sunday afternoon here in vegas the vikings are in town to play the raiders the raiders are two and a half with a total of 34 against Minnesota, and we got to take a break. But when we come back, we are going to talk to someone who has covered the Las Vegas Raiders for quite some time. Paul Gutierrez on the way back. You're listening to Gooch and Willie at Treasure Island Golden Circle. Throw the flag. I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of positives um, relative to our overall effort, the way we competed. Um, I thought the guys played hard from the very first play to the last play, and there was a lot of things that I thought. Um, showed up uh, in the film uh, that you that you do in smaller groups and smaller pods in practice and training camp, the one-on-one drills. I mean, when you watch the game over, you know, there's a lot of plays where there's four one-on-one pass rush drills going on at the same time, you know, and so when you go back to practice next Monday, 
you know, you say, hey, when we go to that one-on-one drill, I mean, it showed up, you know, 29 times last night. Back to the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island with your hosts, Willie and Gooch. Oh, yeah. We are back at Treasure Island. Golden Circle, that is Gooch and myself. That was the sound of Josh McDaniels. And taking you back to the 80s, that is the sound of Las Vegas' own Dino as we welcome to the show because he special requested that intro music. My guy from ESPN.com, Paul Gutierrez. <laughs> Willie, what's going on, man? Yeah, and as we've talked about many times, I bought that cassette tape, the audio cassette of that uh, Dino classic. Tell him where you got Odyssey. it. Odyssey Records. Odyssey Records. Gucci, do you know what Odyssey Records is? I know exactly what Odyssey Records <laughs> is. I remember camping out for new records all the time. The like 12 oh. inches, right? Oh, yeah, buddy. Paul is talking about, he remembers when they came out. Do you remember when they came out with Kassingles? They called uh, them Kassingles. Yes, what they had the, the uh, cardboard. Yes. Yeah, it was yes. always wrapped yes. around the cardboard. Yeah. Yes, yes. Stealing you out there for Canton on 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 Raider Nation Radio, but that's okay. Uh, Paul, uh, sorry about that. We had a small glitch. We're back here on the air, Paul. Okay. I hear you. Uh, I was wondering if it was me or you. This. Before we get into the hall, let me. No, okay, <laughs> we're back. Let me ask you before we talk about today's ceremonies, which are underway, um, the Hall of Fame game. What did we learn from the Hall of Fame game, if anything? Well, you know, that's the hard part about preseason games is what you're seeing are backups and third stringers and guys who aren't going to make the team anyway playing against backups and third stringers of guys that aren't going to make a team anyway of the worst team in the NFL last year, which is Jacksonville. Now, having said all that, at least the guys that were in the game, they played very crisp, very sharp, uh, pretty much error-free at least early on, and that's a far cry from what we've seen from the Raiders over, you know, the past decade. So I guess there's a step in the in the right uh, direction that way. You, you saw a lot of, uh, you know, I hate to use the word accountability, but a lot of precision that was used out there. And that's basically, you know, besides wins and trying to win a Super Bowl, that's why the Patriot way was infused into Raider Nation's veins, so to speak. Was it a little exciting at least seeing Jared Siddham come from the Patriots underneath McDaniels, come to the Raiders now, and actually put up good numbers and played really well? Was that kind of a sign of what to expect from the overall offense? I think what you saw from, from that was that you saw a guy who is intimately familiar with the system having come from the Patriots and having played for Josh McDaniels last year. So um, that is to be expected, I suppose. He looked in command. Um, he didn't look like he didn't know what he was doing, which, again, is a huge step in the right direction for this team. But also for, for a little bit older school Raider fans, I mean, I was getting Andrew Walter vibes from him because just the way he was statuesque in the pocket, uh, he was a little more athletic than Andrew Walter was. And, and, and Raider fans don't have very good memories of Andrew Walter anyway. But it, it looked familiar. He looked comfortable. And I think it's all but a wrap for the backup uh, position, quarterback position behind Derek Carr. I think the bigger question now is, do the Raiders only keep two on the active roster and try and stash somebody like Chase Garbers on the practice squad? So with the preseason shrunk to three games, but the Raiders and Jags still playing four, this is now really the equivalent to preseason week two where we might see a series or two or a quarter from the starters, whereas week two of the preseason is the dress rehearsal. What do we expect going forward over these next few weeks? 
I, I think we expect to get a lot more kicking the ball, kicking the can down the road, really, from McDaniel's, from Josh. He, they're not going to tell us what their plan is. Um, but it does behoove them to get the starters in there. Uh, you know, you had, what, um, four of the five starting offensive linemen basically were out there. You had Josh uh, Jacobs getting some major runs, some burnout there. Um, but you need, you still need to see what that connection between jo- uh, Derek Carr and, and Devontae Adams is going to look like in an actual factual game situation. So it, it behooves them to get them in there for at least a, uh, a series, if not two, before they actually start for real against the Chargers um, for the season opener. So I just wonder when that's going to happen. I know a lot of teams like to use that those joint practices. You get more out of those joint practices than you actually do a preseason game anyway. So they can always fall back on that as well. Well, he brought up how Josh Jacobs played in the uh, in the beginning of the game and how that was odd, especially when you consider the Hall of Fame game. The Raiders are playing four preseason games as opposed to three. Uh, do you think that this is maybe a conspiracy, maybe that Josh Jacobs could be dangled as trade bait down the road? Depends upon which conspiracy theory you want to listen to on which day. I mean, it, it is interesting. But then again, you know, in, in talking <laughs> with Josh when he was at the podium, um, you know, he, he – acted like and said that he wasn't upset that he didn't get his fifth-year um, contract picked up. But he realized, that, you know what, I had to be here anyway, so why not get here and, and gel with the guys and, and do it? And, and he does. He has something to prove if he wants that next contract. Uh, I know he's whispered it to people on the sidelines uh, during practice, and you just kind of go from there. So whether they're showcasing him for a potential trade or this is indeed the Patriot way in silver and black with a, a running back by committee, Either way, you could find whichever conspiracy theory you want. Although it is, in my opinion, having covered this team in one way or another since 2005 um, on a daily basis, this, it was strange to see him out there running so much. And then you start doing the other math with it. Well, okay, well, four of the five offensive linemen were the starters and things like that. So it, it was strange, though, especially when he's a pro bowler. and You see him out there getting that much run early on in, in the first preseason game under a new regime. So I thought what was fun was that Yesterday, um, Steve Cofield and I, we, we talked to Jason Campbell, former Raider quarterback, and he told us a fantastic story of how he was summoned to the, to the, to the headphones, to the, to the phone on the sidelines, and it was Al Davis on the other line. And Al Davis told him, he said, listen, I want a nine route. I don't care. I want a nine route. And so uh, Jason tells Hayward Bay, he said, hey, we're doing a nine route, gets to cover two, blah, 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 just – and he said, once I saw him match up with safety, I let it go. And it ended up being a touchdown. And it was, it was, just, it was, it was such a, a, a surreal moment for him to have the owner telling him what he wanted. And then yesterday, Q asks Josh McDaniels if that opening play was a tribute to Cliff Branch. And, and Josh McDaniels went on to talk about how, well, not just him, but the Davises in general, you know, Mr. Davis and the new Mr. Davis. Um, yeah. I guess how cool is that, number one, Paul? And number two, is that maybe a sign of something to come when you have a guy like Adams? Can we, can, will we see some big plays? Well, you have to. I mean, you made that investment in Devontae, and, and Devontae's not a burner. Don't, don't, you know, don't get that twisted. But there are, you know, Teron Johnson is, and, and you got other guys that can take the top off. So it doesn't mean that they're not going to throw a deep ball to Devontae. It just means that that is the Raider way, so to speak. And, and if nothing else, it shows that Josh McDaniels has done his homework when it comes to, you know, for lack of a better term, kissing the ring, because he knows where the bread is buttered. He knows <laughs> what he has to say. He said it in, in the first thing he told Mark Davis, according to Mark Davis, when he got the job interview was, hey, um, that was a fumble. So he told him what he wanted to hear. He's talking about the tuck rule game. 
Now he's yep. saying, and he gives the salute, says this was an ode to the Raiders, to both Mr. Davis's, to Cliff Branch, because he was a deep threat, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing. Half of this is politics. The other half is reality. And you just kind of, the truth is usually somewhere in between. So it, it was a cool thing. And, you know, you become so desensitized by preseason games and, and how it's really a business anymore. But, yeah, that, I thought that was a really cool thing for him to acknowledge that they did that. Now, did it play out the way they wanted? No, I and if you watch the replay, I mean, Johnson was covered pretty tightly. His ball might have been picked off, but the fact that he was hit and it kind of fluttered and they still picked up a 31-yarder on it, um, that tells you maybe maybe there was something else at play there, and Cliff Branch was looking down and smiling like he always did. So the Raiders will make the playoffs if, fill in the blank. Ooh. If the, if, if the Derek and Devontae connection is as strong as it was nine years ago at Fresno State, and if the defense – can hold teams, uh, you know, if they don't have to win 38 to 37 games, then they can make the playoffs. I, you know, on paper, they look nice, but everything is new. And I thought Derek Carr actually put it best the last time we talked to him where he said that he was, quote-unquote, cautiously optimistic about where they're going from here. There's a lot of there's a lot of hopes and, and expectations on this team based on all the moves they did this offseason. And, and, you know, we saw it firsthand when they, when they got rid of Jack Del Rio and brought in John Gruden. That roster was one year removed from a playoff appearance, and really all it needed was a, a shine. It needed a wax job. It needed, you know, just to kind of be buffed up a little bit. Instead, John took a, a wrecking ball to it because he wanted to rebuild it in his own image, and he had that right because Mark Davis gave him the big contract. This, and this is what I asked that Mark Davis at the time, was, you know, is this a rebuild? What is it? It's not about a rebuild. It's more of taking that next step. So that's what the plan is, and, and that's how they get back to the playoffs, as long as they don't take a step back and they just continue to build upon what they had last year. I know Devontae Adams was the one that got all the headlines, but, I mean, Chandler Jones also has to be seen as a giant acquisition when you max him up against Max Crosby. Do you think that he's got the potential to add just as much to the defense as a Devontae Adams would add to the offense? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's what they brought him in for. And, and because, basically, they, they kind of replaced Yannick Ngakwe with him and, you know, a younger version. You know, Yannick's a lot younger than, than Chandler, but Chandler has the resume. So are, are do you want Chandler Jones' pass, or do you want uh, Yannick Ngakwe's future? And they chose Chandler Jones' pass, and a lot of that is simply because he's going to open so many things up for Max on the other side of the ball. The one thing to keep in mind, though, guys, and, and you know, it can be interpreted any way you want, uh, whether it's based in reality or being seen as a hater, yeah, he did have 10.5 sacks last year, but five of those came in one game, the opener. So the mm-hmm. final 16 games of the year, he only, quote-unquote, only had 5.5 sacks, so Take that for what, it was, what it's worth, but just remember that. And the fact we haven't seen Chandler at practice for uh, well over a week, too. So we got a few minutes left here, Paul. Um, you talked about the two big acquisitions at wide receiver on the defensive line. Let's talk about the legends wide receiver defensive line. Going into the Hall, to, Hall of Fame, uh, your experiences, what you know, um, Cliff Branch, Richard Seymour, the ceremony's underway right now. Um, the Hall of Fame, how special is this? Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, when I was there back in December when the Raiders were stuck in – we were stuck in Cleveland for five days because the Raiders uh, were able to stay home and not go out there because Cleveland had its COVID outbreak. And, and, yeah, a bunch of us on the beat got, got COVID while we were there too. But to walk through the, the Hall of Fame and to see the bus, you realize just how special it is. And it's living history. And as you're going through there, you see um, – Exactly what it all means. And, and with all the Raiders that are in there and, and you see Cliff Branch going in, you know, Cliff was one of my guys in terms of, 
a source for going back and doing historical type stories. And it was just a special kind of a guy. He, he never really had a bad day, but he also wanted to make sure that you were having a good day at the same time. And knowing that he's Mark Davis's best friend, you know there's a lot of personal feelings that are going on there, too. Um, and the story that those guys could tell, I can only imagine, uh, they wouldn't be fit for, for print or public consumption. You know, so it, it's really the epitome of bittersweet because Cliff had the stats a long time ago to get in. When you look at his contemporaries like Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, Harold Carmichael, those guys, Drew Pearson. Um, so the epitome of bittersweet there. And then Richard Seymour, I mean, he's a Patriot more than he's a Raider, but he was the best player on a lot of bad Raider teams when he was there that I covered. And to me, the most impressive thing he did was that open-hand palm strike that dropped Ben Roethlisberger because he hit him from about maybe two feet away and still got him right in the face mask and dropped him. And I was like, oh, that was impressive. So, um, you know, for him, he's a Patriot, but also the Raiders have kind of got a Patriot thing going on right now too. So it's, it's a very special day for both of those guys, but maybe even more so for their families. Well, who was, was it? I believe it was uh, John Madden who said that the busts speak when the lights go out. I personally believe that the number one topic that comes up is that immaculate reception, Franco Harris uh, telling all the Raiders that uh, it was a catch. At, at this point, yeah. And then in about another 10, 15 years, it's going to shift to the tuck rule game because that <laughs> launched the Patriot dynasty and Richard Seymour was right there in the heart of it. You know, Cliff Branch was there for the for the immaculate reception and the sea of hands and the holy roller and all that, but the tuck rule is, is a whole other animal too. I'm a little disappointed that Charles Woodson didn't say it was a fumble. At his he speech. said a number. He said it numerous times. Yeah, he, said, he basically said that that Tom Brady owes his family, his wife, his money, everything to him because without that play, we don't know who Tom Brady is today. Say so, with Paul, the golden jacket on, Paul. Uh, listen. Exactly. I, I appreciate you joining us. You're double-dipping for us today on Raider Nation Radio and right here on the brand-new inaugural Throw the Flag show for this season. The first guest for Gooch and I, so I appreciate you coming on, and I guess I'll see you out here this week, buddy. And uh, we'll be uh, back in our seats at the Al next weekend. Thanks for coming, Paul. Sounds good, guys. Congratulations on the show. And, uh, yeah, you guys are at TI. I was the best man in a wedding there once, and that's all I'll say. <laughs> right on, buddy. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN joining Gooch and I on Throw the Flag here at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. We are coming back, and we are going to throw the flag. Coming up. Marcus Peters took the ball and chucked it into the stands. He took the flag. The flag ended up in the stands. I have never seen that before in my life. Have you? No. Willie Ramirez, Gooch, down here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook inside the Treasure Island. And now it's time for the namesake of the show. Let's throw the flag. This is where we basically find some of the stories that are going on. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the world of sports, but things that just kind of caught our attention. And let's just start off with one of the more important players in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers. On a During a broadcast, he admitted that he took psychedelic drugs. He would travel to South America, mm. do psychedelic drugs in the offseason, and then go play football, obviously, when it was time to play. And this, to me, is such a huge announcement. I mean, I don't think people are taking this as seriously as they should. I mean, this right. is Aaron Rodgers, okay? Right. This isn't like some backup quarterback. This is Aaron Rodgers saying, guys, I do drugs in the offseason. Right. And I want to know... What would happen if it was a lesser-named player um, that was caught doing 
you know, maybe not these specific ones where he, because he's going so deep into his explanation where it was, quote, deep and meaningful and crazy mind expanding possibilities. Also, de- I mean, there's so much Bill Walton to this, but <laughs> I wa- get this guy's know, a burk at stocks. But, but I mean, if this was like a, a defensive back that was caught with an eight ball, yeah, uh, what's going to happen? Or if he comes out and says, yeah, you know, the season ended. We were really disappointed, and boy, I, I mean, we went down to South America and in March before you know training camp, everything, blah blah blah, OTAs, and picked up an eight ball. Right. Yeah. And def- I re- and I really got into myself. I I got in my feels. Is that is that going to fly? Right. Is it going to fly if it's a black <laughs> defensive back over Aaron Rodgers, the 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 face of the somewhat of the of the league, along with Brady and some of the other white quarterbacks? I, you know what? When it comes to that, I, I really don't know because the guy is going to South America. He's basically saying what he did there in the offseason. There have been players that have admitted to doing stuff in the offseason and basically making themselves clean before the season starts up. But, again, the fact that it's the – I think when you are a defensive back and you're not necessarily a starter and you announce something like this, it's not even a headline. The right. fact that it's Aaron Rodgers saying this, and then this is Aaron Rodgers coming off – he said that he did this the past two off seasons, and these are two off seasons that resulted in MVP seasons. So, what is he saying? That <laughs> basically, what they ask him, they say, "Do you did you see a correlation between the psychedelic drugs helping you have your two best seasons?" His answer was about as Bill Walton as it gets. Yep. I don't think it's a coincidence. I really don't. I don't really believe in coincidences. Coincidences at this point, it's the universe. Bringing things to happen when they're supposed to happen. He might have been tripping right there during the interview. <laughs> during the interview, right? <laughs> might have had been either going through withdrawals or he was just coming down. Um, he also, I believe, that he said something that it also helped him with lovemaking. Hey, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, if you're taking drugs that make you hallucinate, then I hope they, I hope you hallucinate someone into being better looking because it's like <laughs> if that's what's going on. If that's what's helping you, Aaron. But again, if you're He's doing got this, that scraggly look. He's got that Pau Gasol look going. I we now we know. Yeah. Now we know. Now we know why. Right? Yeah, there's no reason to dress like a Yankee at this point. He's no. letting everybody know what he does in the off season. Yeah, it is what it is. Are you throwing the flag on this? Uh, I'm throwing several flags, but I want to wave a flag with thumbs up. You know what? If that's what you got to do in the off season, do something like that. And I'm talking about for a day or two. That's it. Yeah. That's that's when when whenever you hear these stories about people going to South America and doing these types of things, it's like a one one or two day thing, and then it's done, and then they get their life back in track, and everything's over. Now it'd be one thing if you were talking about like an eight ball where you know you're doing you're just partying nonstop for the whole off season, then it's time to get back into the gym and start working out, that might have an effect. But I think if you just take two days out of the whole year and do something, maybe there is some truth in what he's saying. But at the same time, this is also Aaron Rodgers. People are going to construct this the wrong way, and they're going to basically say that he's telling people it's okay to do drugs because he's Aaron Rodgers. Right, exactly, because not only that, because he's, you know, he's got so many kids that look up to him, like you said. So, you know, there's the integrity of the game that, Goodell has spoken about so much. So, yeah, I'm throwing the flag just because of the fact that, you know, there's a lot that comes with this baggage of of what you're talking about. But we are going to continue to throw the flag, not necessarily in this segment, but when we come back for the third quarter of this show, um, we're going to talk some Raiders. We're going to get into it. We are at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Gooch and Willie coming at you live. It is the inaugural show. We'll be back.
It's Throw the Flag. Golden Circle Sportsbook, Treasure Island, and Gooch, Willie Ramirez. And why I'm so happy to be working with Willie Ramirez is this guy covers everything Vegas sports, and he is on the front lines. You're always there. Uh, and you've, been, you've definitely been down to Raiders training camp, yeah. soaking in all that sun. When you're not trying to beat your own personal squat record, you're doing yes. something yes. <laughs> that involves the Raiders. Yes, that's pretty much it. It's, if it's not the Raiders, it's the Golden Knights. If it's not the Golden Knights, it's the Las Vegas Aces. And if it's nothing on the beat, yeah, I am inside the perfect gym. Right, there you go. So Nice plug. Get it in there, buddy. <laughs> Come on now. Hey, by the way, big shout-out to our guys, Mateo on the engineer and Mag's back in the booth, by the way. We haven't mentioned them. Mag's taking care of everything on the board. And Mateo here. Mateo, four-man show. Growing out the ponytail. Yes, bringing an element of class, I would say. Yeah, buddy. Let's get that a man bun. And look, next time, okay? <laughs> I want hair tie around that beard, too. <laughs> like Captain Lou Albano, buddy. <laughs> yes. Let's live it up. So, uh, Willie, again, you've been covering the Raiders now for a while, and you obviously watch the uh, – Hall of Fame game. You've listened to some of the McDaniel's audio that were taking that were taking place after the game. What did the win really mean for the Raiders? Because they did just stomp out the Jacksonville Jaguars in the Hall of Fame game. Again, none of the uh, some starters played. I don't want to say none, but outside of Josh Jacobs, nobody really of of merit. Uh, what did that win really say? Well, I think what it did was it provided confidence throughout the the roster no matter whether it was a starter, no matter whether it was a guy who could potentially get cut, um, someone who's on the bubble, right? Guys like Alex Leatherwood, these, these guys are on the offensive line. Brandon Parker had a rough night. But for all, for, for all intent purposes, this is a team that looked very good. Whether it was playing against Jacksonville's second, third, or fourth string, what you have to which you have to appreciate is these are all guys that have been invited to NFL camps. Yes. So at some point they have pro football caliber play in their bodies, right, in their system, in their genetic codes. They have some sort of talent that they've been invited to an NFL camp, and for the Raiders to look like they did on a stage that they, they performed, that was Josh McDaniel's old high school. I mean, they went out there and played with a lot of pride, and as Paul, our, our guest in the uh, last hour, said, they looked very crisp. So, And um, Josh McDaniel's talked about what the, what the win meant also. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked a lot about trying not to beat ourselves, and uh... – you know, I mean, we had so the, the field was wet. The ball wasn't really that wet because it wasn't raining by the time we started the game. But, um, you know, it's been a big focus for us trying to take care of the ball and trying to improve, you know, in the whole penalty situation. So I thought we did decent until the fourth quarter, and then we kind of got a little sloppy. But uh, for the most part, I thought we hung in there and did the right thing. And what do you think is the biggest difference that McDaniels brings to the team compared to last year? Like, one of the things that you noticed, Willie, what 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 stood out? Well, I mean, last year was – you're never going to – I don't think you're ever going to see something like that on a team again. And I really hope that we don't on any franchise, whether it's your arch rival or not. I mean, from the John Gruden scandal, right, and then, you know um, – Henry Ruggs, mm. RIP Tina Tentor, um, and then Damon Arnett, and then you have Rich Passaccia trying to bring everybody together. So there was a lot of outside circumstances that were affecting that team. So what McDaniels is bringing to this team that I've seen is a sort of a sense of 
familia, if you will, the brotherhood that they talk about a lot. Um, and I think that he's bringing his own life lessons from his first stint with Denver. He came in there very power hungry, changed a lot of the decor around the locker room. He put, you know, top players up. Put, from my understanding, top player posters up on the on the wall um, in the throughout the locker room, throughout the facility. He talked about me, me, me. This is what I know. Here's who I am. I came from the you know very very power hungry. Where here he brought in a staff and he was much more humble and he's allowing the leaders that were here and that he brought in to sort of guide their units as well it's his way let's not make any mistake but i think he learned from his own mistakes and by earning the respect of these players it's going to help yeah you were talking about learning from his own mistakes were you talking about when he was the head coach of the broncos yes yeah yeah because he because he admitted that he had made some mistakes and a lot of those mistakes were sort of just browbeating a lot of the guys and coming in with that, you know, and he cut, you know, sent Jay Cutler along, got Brandon Marshall. I mean, he he just made a lot of decisions that he came in and just started shuffling things around and doing things. There were a lot of Patriots that had come over, did the same thing, or guys that were in New England that were like, man, this feels like we're in New England. You know, he's just – but whereas he may be doing that here, but he's teaching. He's not dictating – like he was. It's got to be hard coming from the Belichick coaching tree because this is a guy that when he started his head coaching career, he already had amazing stats, on, especially on the defensive side when he was under Bill Parcells. Right. And he goes to the Patriots. One of the craziest things of all time ends up happening where Drew Bledsoe goes down, your franchise quarterback, and then the sixth-round draft pick yeah. comes in hungry as hell. Right. How often do you have that perfect storm? So when you take... And then again, Brady, when you when you have when you when you know that you're the 199th pick, there is there's got to be something in you that says I don't know everything. I'm just going to try and absorb everything that I see. Not every quarterback comes into it. Not every player comes into it with that kind of attitude. And so when you so when other people from the Belichick coaching tree think they're going to have that same success with their team. It's just they don't realize what kind of a perfect storm that was. Well, and I want you to think about what you just said. He he constructed this offense and sort of built this offense with a sixth-round pick. People tend to think, well, you know, Josh McDaniels is used to coaching Tom Brady, and now he's coming to Derek Carr. Tom Brady started as the backup, a sixth-round pick. So imagine how Derek Carr feels like, okay, you know what? I'm in my ninth year. I know what I know. Right? I know what I'm capable of. I got my best friend here to receive the ball. And here's a guy who helped construct and build the offense that Tom Brady flourished in and came from being a sixth-round pick. People automatically think of Tom Brady, the GOAT, the now, that McDaniels coached. Not what he was at the beginning. So imagine the Carr's enthusiasm and saying, well, if he was able to build this offense in which Brady grew into – what can I grow into over the final four, five, six years of my career? And let's not forget, Carr was extended, but only one year is guaranteed. That's a team-friendly contract. So he's guaranteed one year, and then we'll see what happens. So there's a lot riding on this season, per se, for a lot of people. And I think there's a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of confidence. I think there's a lot of reason for enthusiasm. And here's another thing, if you want to compare – his, uh, if you want to compare McDaniel's journey to Belichick's, well, Belichick failed in Cleveland when he was the head coach over there. Mm-hmm. And then it took him a little bit to get a head coaching job again with New England, and then everything fell into place. McDaniel already got his fa- failure out of the way. Yeah. Maybe he brings this attitude to the Raiders. Now, earlier, uh, last, last hour, you were bringing up Zamir White yeah. and how he just looked amazing. Mm-hmm. 
And we have some audio from that as well. McDaniel's audio. Yeah, thought he started, got off to a decent start. Um, you know, we had a couple of times down there where we got stopped in the red zone early, which, you know, those are, you know, those can come back to haunt you, you know, um, you know, if you don't put those in. But um, I thought he made some good decisions, threw the ball away a couple of times when it wasn't there, you know, escaped out of the pocket on the one touchdown run, uh, generally operated the offense well. I thought Nick did the same thing. You know, some of them, you know, they each had a little bit of duress that they had to deal with. Um, and again, I'm happy that you get to do that in a preseason game because really you get the opportunity to see if they're going to make a good decision. And, uh, you know, they didn't turn it over tonight, which I was happy about that. And, again, made some good plays. That was actually – he was talking about the quarterbacks there and because I wanted to talk a little bit about the legitimate depth at quarterback if Carr were to get injured. But, yes, let's start with Zamir White because I thought that – and I said it earlier, I thought he won the night because he was great out of the backfield receiving the ball – um, three receptions. He was targeted four times, 23 yards, but it was the fact that he was able to sort of adapt to that and then running the ball, 11 attempts, 52 yards. The longest run was 14. Really ran with a purpose, and he, and he looked fantastic. As for the quarterbacks, which we just heard Coach Josh McDaniels talk about, you know, Stidham and Mullins, um, they did some good things, as you heard, um, you know, decisions that are going to have to – neither one of them threw a pick, both of them with eight completions. Um, Mullins came away with a better rating at 90.0. But, you know, I think Stidham, knowing the uh, the um, the oh, system yeah. and coming over from New England, it's going to help because that's even going to help Carr. Carr being able to watch the backup run that system is was important, you know. And, and I thought that it was – I thought it was kind of cool when he took off and scampered for that 12-yard run as well for a yeah. touchdown. Yeah, you always see a lot of coaches come in and they bring a quarterback from the team they were previously coaching or they, like a coordinators in this situation. And, yeah, having a guy like Stidham come in, and, again, he's a young guy. He's younger than Carr, but, yeah. he's, but he has the experience in the system, that, and I'm sure that comes in handy. I mean, it, it, if you're always willing to learn, I think you're always going to have a great career. And Carr has always seemed like he's that kind of guy. Well, and I'll tell you who's one person who's been impressed with the Raiders. Because everyone's talking about the AFC West, right? they got the Chiefs, they got the Chargers, and then the Raiders or the Broncos. But when you have a Super Bowl champion who's touting the Raiders, Rondé Barber, he's been impressed. I generally like the Raiders. I mm. like Josh McDaniel in his second opportunity as a head coach. There's something about second second chance opportunities for head coaches where they just seem to get it right. And I think he will. Obviously, huge trade. Devontae Adams comes over, plays with his college teammate, Derek Carr. Still have Josh Jacobs in that backfield. And then they went and got Chandler Jones on defense. I think that's the team that's going to surprise people in the AFC West. And we've seen this happen before. And the NFL is always about turnover. And People are forgetting. It's not like the Raiders sucked last year. Right. They were good. Right. They even, even with all that chaos that was going on. Exactly. So now the chaos has subsided. Yep. We have a head coach that has Super Bowl experience. Mm -hmm. Why shouldn't we be excited? Why are, the Ra why are the Raiders kind of being overlooked when, personally, I look at the Chiefs and I look at some of the pieces they've lost. Losing Tyreek Hill is a huge deal. Yeah, sure, the Broncos got Russell Wilson, but – it's not like they have really any wide receivers. They don't have a DK Metcalf. They don't have a Tyler Lockett. They might have Jerry Judy come out of nowhere and play well. Cortland Sutherland, you know, they might play well, but we don't know because the defense is not necessarily what you would like it to be. You have, you have a couple of players on that squad that, 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 that are good on the defense, but that's, that's still a work in progress. The Chargers, to me, 
it's weird saying that they look like they might right. be the best team out of the AFC I West. I think that they're the best team in the AFC West, and then I think it's between the Chiefs and the and the Raiders and the Broncos are the fourth because I'm not sold that Russell Wilson is, you know, I mean, he's been on the downside of his career. He hasn't had some sort of favorable uh, seasons yeah, in Seattle, you know, the last few. So, um, you know, a lot of question marks, a lot of question marks, but I think that the Raiders are a lot better than people are making out to be. Um, but they, they're home for their first preseason game next week. They take on the uh, Minnesota Vikings, so we'll get a chance to see them um, in a, a, at home. And for those of you who are going to be out at the game, you know, we'll be out there, we'll be broadcasting. And uh, when we come back, right, we have – well, we're going to surprise you with what we got coming back. So, it is Gooch and Willie. I am out here, or we are out here at the Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Magnum in the studio. Mateo to my left on the engineer. And we welcome you to the inaugural Throw the Flag. We'll be back. Cliff Branch and Mr. Davis. Um, you know, and, and um, you know, that was a... Um, that was a staple. Uh, Cliff was a fast guy, obviously made a, a bunch of uh, big plays in his career, um, big, important plays and big, important games. And that's why he's going into the Hall of Fame here, uh, you know, tomorrow. And um, I know Mr. Davis, uh, both Mr. Davises uh, are big fans of the long ball. So, um, yes, that was uh, a, a note to uh, the Raiders, uh, Cliff Branch, and the way that uh, Mr. Davis, uh, both of them enjoy that type of play. So we tried to, didn't go off exactly the way that we hoped it would, but uh, it ended up in our favor regardless. It's time. Back again. Back again. It is time. We are throwing the flag as we head toward the final stretch. We've got some time left out. Treasure Island, Golden Circle, Sportsbook and Bar, Willie Ramirez and Gooch. Down here every Saturday is our inaugural show. And this is a time where, well, I got some fun topics, some fun segments I want to talk about. You talked earlier about, you said, well, you know, Willie, when we when we introduce everything, you said, you know, you're well put together. You dress this, the jewelry, the that. You know who's well put together? Who's that? My son. And he... he I would have never guessed. He has a passion... <laughs> For shoes. Okay. Like, I, my passion is suits. Okay. Okay, I have 40-plus suits. Wow. Mateo can attest to that. Mateo, how many do you have? Zero. Zero. Okay. All right. I um, have one. Mateo, okay. I'm giving you one. My next suit that gets 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 moved out, you're getting it, Mateo. Yeah. Uh, but the last so, suit I wore, I wore for the wedding, uh, for the marriage that is no longer existent, and I have nice. also worn the jacket several times to several work functions. I was, I, was telling, I was telling somebody on the show yesterday that uh, – I, the eight, there's 18 aces home games. They will never see the same suit. Ah, I've worn every time I wear it. And when I go home and walk into the closet, it goes on a separate rack. That way I know that I've worn that. Now, how loud are these suits? Are these like pinstripe suits? I got a different, different. I got, so I got some funky sport coats. I got some, I got some bright colored suits. I got some pinstripes and then I got some, you know, regular, like, you know, three pieces or whatever. Right. Yeah. So different. There's different shades. My dress shirts, right, when they bring back from the dry cleaning, they're removed from the hanger, and they're put on an identical color hanger of the shirt, and then they're put in order. You are particular. Yes. Marie Kondo has nothing on you. Now, my son is a shoe fanatic. Like, I'm talking like the the Dolce Gabbanas, the uh, the, the Balenciagas. The Yeezys. The, the, 
No, not an easy guy. The uh, the uh, uh, what's it called? The red bottoms. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I saw this and I sent this to him. Balenciaga has a new trash pouch. It literally looks like a hefty garbage bag. Yeah, it is dubbed as the most expensive trash bag in the world. Balenciaga's latest trash pouch. It's been getting trashed. I would imagine. Um, How much is each bag? Well, I, I'm looking. I'm reading the story. It says RM seven nine five. What's RM? Is that a, is that a is that a monetary? I would have to imagine this is like a, a fifteen hundred dollar bag. I've worked FM radio for a long for over twenty years. I am not going to know that. I'm not going to know exchange rates. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't. My brain is pretty small. I, I'm 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 good. It's here. It is in the. It's that's in Malaysia. So what I just said was in Malaysian ringgit. It equates to $1,786.13. It's, it's an $1,800 trash bag. You saw it. I said Yeah, it yeah. You. It looks like, literally, it looks like a tall kitchen trash bag. Now, and this is the thing. It's not saying it's the best trash bag. It's not saying, like, you know what, go ahead and pour your liquid metal into this bag. Right. You know, because that way it would be able to hold it. This is still the kind of same kind of trash bag where... Yeah, you know what? It might break in half on your way to the taking it to. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, heave it over your back. You're carrying. I mean, I I just can't imagine walking through. You know the. You know you, like okay, back in the day, like I had man bag or the over the shoulder. Right. Or I've had the the clutch, the Louis Vuitton, the this, but I cannot imagine like strolling through the casino over my shoulder like a trash bag, even though it's gold with black handles or white with orange handles just because it has a Balenciaga logo. Where they're calling it a trash pouch. Right. They're saying this is where this, this is, is where this, this is, is where I put my trash is yeah. in this over one thousand dollar trash bag. One bag by the way. Yeah, I don't know who's I don't know who's who's paying for that. Well that's what I'm getting at. It's like it's always gotta be somebody that just has everything and they're like, yeah, what the hell I'll buy a one thousand dollar trash bag just to throw it in I don't know, Steve Wynn's face. Top that. You, you know, know who might carry it? Who's that? Aaron Rodgers. Well. You're a psychedelic guy. I have become a bigger fan of Aaron Rodgers over the years. Well, he, he decided that he, um, he is not going to be playing as long as Tom Brady. This is, this is why I love Aaron Rodgers. He is the most honest superstar well, I don't know about honest. Well, I mean, it just seems like it, though, because every every superstar player is, is at straightforward. Straightforward. Yeah, okay, yeah. yes. For him to admit that, no, I'm not going to go that route. I, You know, I've been thinking about it. He even says it here in the interview that he's been thinking about it for the past two or three seasons. The fact that, that a superstar player is saying that out loud right. is, is, is awkward to all of us. You know, so, so his straightforwardness. Yeah, sure, it does get confused as honesty, but it's like his straightforwardness is welcomed. He signed a four-year extension worth $200 million. 153 is guaranteed. Now, I wonder if he came to this conclusion, this enlightenment, while he was on peyote or whatever. I am more than positive. I'm sure, I'm sure there was a point where he was just kind of like, nothing matters, but that's a good thing and a bad thing. I don't know. Like When, you, when you're in that frame of mind, it's all about balance. And that's always what he seems like he's he's talking about, especially in that interview when he was talking about the uh, ayahuasca that he was taking in mm. South America. It's like he was just talking about balance. And I think you have to have that as a quarterback. You have to remain in the moment. 
And that's one thing about Aaron Rodgers where it's like he'll throw an interception, but then the very next play, all of a sudden it's a 50-yard strike downfield, and then the rest of the game he's just on fire because he's got this ability to just, oh, I, don't, I don't have to think about the past anymore. Well, now we know why he doesn't think about the past because he doesn't remember it. I'm looking at a picture that's in this story because they compared it to Tom Brady. Obviously, they yeah. said, are you going to play as long? You know, there's the phrase like, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that phrase, but like, you know, road hard, put away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you could tell when someone's led a hard lifestyle. Like if you look like, hey, he's got a strong arm and he's a good quarterback. But if you look at this picture of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers at a golf tournament or one of those, you know, catchy little the matches, this one was taken in 2021 up in Montana. I mean, I would say that you would think that Rodgers is the older guy. I also think that Tom Brady probably does Botox. I oh, think he definitely, yeah. See, and that's the thing. I think but just, he does it well because I see, you know, I don't like that. Like, that's – I've had people tell me, like, Willie, you know, because I'm a fanat, I Like, I'm a skincare fanatic. Right. Like I go, I'm I looking the, at I get, your nails, yeah, Willie. You've got great nails. Yeah, I get the nails done. I get the facials. My bathroom counter, I, I got I, – I, for whatever reason, I've just, I just love skincare. Like I like – I, that's another thing. With my, fa- with my suits and then um, between fashion and then just skincare. I just, I just always want to take care of my skin. Like I, like I don't want – I don't want to be itchy, scratchy. I don't want crap peeling off my face or my arms or nothing. I want lotions. I want the bell. I went in the other day to get some lotion. She says, well, what kind do you want to smell? I was like, I don't want fragrance. Right. I, I want good stuff, like organic. I want stuff. I could care less about the fragrance stuff is bad for you. I don't want that. So, but I've had people say, you know, you should look into getting, no. No. I don't need needles in my face. I'll deal with the forehead wrinkles. I'm cool with it. And that's what I think Aaron Rodgers is doing. He's like, ah, whatever. I'm just going to be who I am. One thing about you, though, I will say this. Like, you are so well put together. I took a shower today. I took one. And I feel like just being around me is is making you feel like you're getting more blackheads or something. Like, I just feel like. <laughs> no. Like, why do I have to feel bad? Because you're so well put together. Well, well, I don't, I, I don't think you should feel bad. You <laughs> I'm know, kidding, who, I'm kidding. you know who feel bad? Who's that? Hunter Renfro. Mm. Oh, yes. Now this is a video that it deserved to go viral, not the Mark Davis chicken wing one, which I love. This was a fantastic one. This was great. I now, and here's the problem that I do have though is with the these 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 blog sites that aggregate stories, right? You, you get it from one, you get it, and then you create. Like, I've seen so many different headlines. This one's a great one. Hunter Renfro's Uber ordering rights revoked after cramming Raiders teammates Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, into car by, uh, into the car. By the way, they forgot to put Matt Collins because he was in there too. Um, there was another one that said Devontae Adams frustrated with Hunter. Come on now. Right. Don't create a clickbait so your headline just pops up in the Google search or someone shares it on a social media and then they click it. It, it was a joke. It was a big. It, it, they put it on social. Media. If you missed out, so while they're in Canton, Hunter Renfro and his two-year, thirty-two million-dollar extension, he orders the Uber on an outing to Top Golf. Now Hunter Renfro is the smallest of the three. Yeah, crammed in the back are Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, Matt Collins, knees to their chest, Carr laughing his butt off. And Devontae Adams put it on his Instagram, said Hunter Renfro is not allowed to call Ubers anymore. Yeah, which, by the way, you know what? If you're going to do that, show us. I love that aspect of sports. Yeah. Because that right there just shows that we're all – I love watching the friendship building 
And and I also just love the fact that, yeah, Carr and Adams still close after all these years, and now they get to play together. This just goes – this just makes you feel so much better as a Raiders fan going into the season. And, you know, your former co-host on this, Tyler, brought up a good point. He was like – why didn't one of these other three just, you know, wherever they're at, they're right around the corner from, you just hit the button for, for, for a new, why not just get another Uber? But you know what? There's the bonding aspect. Well, if you're Renfro and you're sitting in the front, who cares what's going on in the back seats? Cram your ass in the back. I don't care if your knees are in your chest. All right. Well, Hike it up. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, former UNLV football star, Hunky Cooper on Throw the Flag. We're giving uh, Cooper uh, earlier, everybody on their feet, uh, honoring Hunky and Wolf, uh, a guy like Hunk, we talk about the best, uh, arguably the best two-way player in the history of the league. Folks know what he does on integrity. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the fact he was a two-way player. Uh, you know what? He might be the best special teams player ever to play. Back to the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island with your hosts, Willie and Gooch. You heard the sound of a tribute for... Former UNLV football star, an all-time arena football great, the, a legend, I should say, and current and former Canyon Springs head coach here in Las Vegas and now an assistant at San Diego State, my guy, Hunky Cooper, joins the show. Hunk, how are you? I'm good, man. How you guys doing, Will? Did that bring back some uh, some flashbacks, that tribute? And man, I tell you what, Ron Wolfley, man, I used to fly with Wolf, man. Wolf played the game in the right way too, you know. And uh, just to hear that that old bold sound, man, and and run up and down those arenas against the Gladiators and everybody else, man, it did bring back some memories, man. I, uh, you know, I have for the longest. I've been saying I gotta, I gotta at some point reach out to Hunky. Now that I have my own show, I wanted you on. For the for you were one of the I, I had reached out to two people for an early spot and this spot you were one of them and the other person couldn't come on so I, I ended up with somebody else but I'm glad that you were able to join us um, I really appreciate it. you just walked off the field right absolutely uh, yeah we're in camp man day two and just finished the walkthrough and you know uh, my guy told me I'm um, a Willie G was calling want to talk to me from Vegas yeah I got it. <laughs> I appreciate it. So let's start there. Just, you know, I mean, UNLV football fans, they're, they're at camp right now. You're at camp. Um, talk about the Aztecs and, and, and how things are looking down there. And, you know, because I want to get into a little bit of the Mountain West talk and all this realignment stuff. But as far as San Diego State, you know, that's been the big talk during the offseason about this program. Well, first and foremost, man, thank you for all you've done over the years, man. You, you've been an amazing guy in the Las Vegas market, man. And, you know, to have your own show, congrats to you, first of all. Secondly, um, Appreciate you. everybody's in camp, man. It's, it's the time now where these kids get about 45 days off a year, spring break, winter break, and summer break. And, um, you know, we, uh, we, we're hard at it. Um, I, I, I like the guys that we, we brought into this class. Um, I think we have a great opportunity to build on what we left and lost. Um, we did lose. Actually, we lost about, I want to say, five got drafted. And then we had four signed free agents, had nine guys off of that team, and four of those guys were, were underclassmen, with one of them being Daniel Bellinger from, um, you know, from Palo Verde High School. So we, we've been able to be a competitive team and, and really attack the markets that we think guys that fit what we do. We're not really big on the portal. We'll take some guys from the portal, but our culture is extremely important in the type of guys that we bring in here. And um, with everything going on with the realignment and everything, you got to find guys that fit what you do. Uh, I, I think we recruit to – to our needs, specifically, you got to be physically. You got to be a guy that's willing to 
to give up some personal things to be a part of a football team. And, and that's the first sacrifice you have to make. You have to sacrifice self to be a part of this team. And um, that, that's been the philosophy when, when Brady first got here, Coach Hope, and when Rocky, Coach Rocky Long was here, and, and still now, you know. Um, and um, the market is getting more competitive every time, every day. You know, you get guys that are transferring from Alabama and UCLA's Power Five schools, and, and you know they have ability, but you don't yet know if they have accountability. So you have to be careful with that mix that you bring in your room. But um, I like the way we do it here at San Diego State. I believe in the way we do it. I believe in our, our process. And more than anything else, the success rate have shown over the last. I've been here eight years now since leaving Canyon, and and uh, we we've been able to graduate 98 percent of our kids and and do some good things, get a lot of guys drafted. Now you were talking about sacrifice on a football field and what a player has to do in order to become welcome into a team. Now you're definitely no stranger to that. You have played pretty much every position, uh, and you've done it well. And as a coach, how is that? Is that do you use that to your advantage when trying to get somebody to buy in? Be like, look, man, I started off at this position, and I played here, and I played here, and I played here, and I contributed so many different ways. Does that is that does that help to sell your experience? Well, what I, what I try to do is, I talked about the success I had because I had great teammates. And again, the sacrifice is you have to remove self out of the way. It can't be about you. I knew that mm-hmm. if I worked hard enough, long enough, and smart enough that my opportunities were going to be there for me. I had a lot of guys, man, at UNLV from Jerry Reynolds and Henry Bailey and, you know, Derek Stott. I had a lot of guys, man, Chuck Reed, a lot of guys that that that, that allowed me to have success by their commitment to that program. You know, and um, you go back and think about it. I played for Tom Cable. I played for Jeff Horton. I played for I played for Chuck Pagano. I played for John Pagano. I played for all these, Scott Linehan. We played for all these guys that became NFL coaches and head coaches. So, we always at UNLV had an opportunity to be successful. It's just that we had to get guys that were committed that would be willing to sacrifice self for the team. And, and that's what it became. And it's not about the game. It's about the people that play the game. The game, the game of Pop Warner, same thing. You win, lose, a draw, now everybody gets a trophy. You run through the tunnel and you share snacks. And then it becomes more intense when you get to middle school because that little guy, little Johnny, is now you know six foot two and 195, and you're still 5'8 and, and, and 105. And then you get that high school, and now you got academics involved. You got decisions involved. You got classes. Now you got grades. So the higher you get up in this level, the more difficult it becomes. In college, okay, a million high school players. Okay, now you got 1% Division One football players. Okay, then you get to the pros. You got 32 teams with 53-man with roster. That's 1,600 jobs. So the higher you get, the more difficult it becomes, so the more dialed in you have to be. So I think my success came from me willing to sacrifice myself, but – the sacrifice of so many other people that, 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 that allowed me to have success. And that's what it's about. You have to remove self out of the way. Hunky, you talked about, and we're speaking with uh, former UNLV football star Hunky Cooper, all-time arena football legend and now assistant coach at San Diego State, former Canyon Springs high school coach. You talked about the sort of that famili- familia feeling, that brotherhood here at UNLV when you were here, the people that you had, the people that you, the coaches that you played under. And Marcus Arroyo, I think, is trying to build that. Um, obviously, you're now with a rival school. But can you touch upon just what you know? I mean, I'm not sure how much you, everyone's involved in terms of coaching staffs and talking. And, you know, you know a lot of assistants in the league. But what he's trying to do here and why this Rebels team can be special, why this program is in the right direction with the new facility, with the Allegiant Stadium, and with Arroyo in place. 
because first and foremost, um, the facility is second to none. Uh, that Fertitta Center is, I, you can put it up against anybody in the country. That's Power Five and, and some NFL teams. Um, they have facilities. To play in that stadium and to be in Las Vegas, which is the, 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 the mecca of the world for sports now and always has been in my mind, um, you have to find common ground. You have to find what makes you successful there. Is it, is it knowing the community? You know, coaches come in and say, okay, we're going to recruit the local kids, local kids. But you know, then they go recruit one or two schools there, and then the local talent gets out. Okay? And the other thing is, when you have the type of facilities that you have, if it's a national recruit, I think if I can get in front of a kid, I can convince him to come to Las Vegas because there's life after football. You have so much more than, than the game. you got, you got 12 tries every year. And, and, you know, think about this, and, and I'm going to say this because I'm an old guy that graduated back with Larry Johnson and Tark, and, and once we start going through coaches, our programs drop off. The programs drop off. We're paying all this money to all these coaches. These coaches come and go, and then the players are the ones that suffer because now when you give somebody an opportunity to build a program, you have to give them six or seven years. And now with the transfer portal, you could do it pretty quick, but the whole deal is this. Okay, if I bring in one coach, okay, for instance, Tony Sanchez, we all know the success he had at Bishop Gorman. Okay, he gets in there right right about the time. He had some of the most talented kids in the conference, I think. As a matter of fact, I know because we went against them, and, and they, every opportunity they, they lost by a missed field goal and he lost by a blown play or something like that, But and we were the conference champs. But at the end of the day, now right about the time that team is getting ready to turn the corner, he changes staff. Okay, so now the new staff comes in with the same goals, turn this thing around, rebuild this program, now you got to rebuild it with, with players and coaches that you didn't recruit or recruit to. Your, if your system is different and you're playing with somebody else's players, it don't work. So now you got to you start that rebuilding process over again. I think you have to give somebody an opportunity to come in there and build that program, build it the right way, and give them time. Because it's like trees, you know. You can cut a tree down in 10 minutes, but it takes 26 to 30 years to get that tree strong and healthy. Well, I think you got to allow the person coming in to build it. Marcus Arroyo has an amazing resume. He does. Uh, you know, Keith Hayward. I, I've known Keith. Keith is a hell of a defensive coordinator. Bernie, you know, so was Bobby Huff. So was Bernie Titan. You know, it's been a lot of really good football coaches come through there. You have to allow them. They have to tap into the community. They, they, it has to be about the kids, and it can't be about finding your next job. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a rebel at heart, but my, 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 my faith is, it's always been the opportunity to, 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 to reach young, hard to reach young men. That's, that's my gift. I can reach hard to reach young men. And, and that's what you got to do. You know, things are going to go wrong at time. You just can't go wrong with it. And you have to be able to find a guy that fits what you're doing there. Don't go out and just get a guy because he's transferring from, from an Alabama or UCLA. Does he fit your culture? Does he make the young guys better? Is he committed? Because you're going to spend half a year breaking old habits, another half a year teaching the guy. And when you're doing that, you could have really just took a whole year of development away from a young kid that's coming into that program. We're speaking with uh, Hunky Cooper, former UNLB football star, assistant coach with San Diego State. And you have been a coach on all the levels, high school, um, obviously uh, college right now. You play in pro football as far as, uh, you know, arena league. When you are when you are coaching a young player, what do you look at? Do you look at the negatives that you need to improve upon, or do you look at them and build upon the overwhelming positives that they already have? The th- there's three things I really look for in a kid: availability, accountability, and durability. Availability, which means you got to I, I got to have you. I got to have access to you. So I can't have you going to class and and, and fail because you're not available. You know, 
I can't have you, you know, um, being not being somewhere we're supposed to be in late to meet. You know, when you when you start to compromise who you are, then you compromise that program. Accountability. Be who you say you're going to be. Do what you say you're going to do. Do it the way you've been coached to do it. And then durability. You may run a 4-3, but if you're in the training room, I can't use you. And I can't build a depth chart on, on, on a maybe. You know what I'm saying? And what we do as coaches, we have to recruit potential, but potential is what actually gets you fired. Right. Because you can tell that as, as, as in the fifth grade, a kid has potential. And then he's in the eighth grade, man, this guy got an upside. He got potential. Then you look at his freshman, man, this guy got so much potential. And you look up, he's a senior, and he still just has potential, and he hasn't become that player. Then you potentially miss somebody developing right underneath, you know, right under your eyes. And so the thing is, man, for me is, again, that's measurable. You know, I, I wasn't the biggest, tallest, fastest guy, but I was durable. And, and all my collegiate and professional, I missed two games in 15 years in the Arena Football League. That's tough. So, Hunky, let me let me ask you this, Hunk, because uh, you now as a as an assistant coach and somewhat of a recruit, right, you're out recruiting as well. You've been here. You know what this talent, what this town has grown from your days at UNLV, watching the high school kids, from your days coaching against it, the powers at Gorman. Um, how where, where is Las Vegas on your list when you go and it's time to hit the recruiting trail? How quick are you to come here? Do you have your eyes always on uh, the 702? Well, me and Jeff Horton, who is the former head coach at UNLV, former head coach at Nevada Reno, associate head coach here. I'm associate head coach here. We hit the Vegas together because we know Vegas is a hotbed. So we hit Gorman, and we hit the Liberties, and we hit the, the we hit the, the, the Green Valley. We hit all the big schools together. And then I go with my gift is. I'm an inner-city kid. I'm an 8 to 10 kid. Lost a father at 14, became a father at 18. So I know how to reach hard to reach young men. So I go to the inner city. And so it's just like us as, as athletes. If I'm fast, what do I go work on? My speed. If I'm strong, what do I go do? I go lift weights. You go in, in any weight room or any gym right now, and the guy with all the muscles has cut his shirt off. We can, you don't need to show us your muscles if you have muscles. We know. So don't go out and work on your strength. Go get a guy that's really fast and make him strong. Go get a guy that's really strong and make him flexible. Go work on the weaknesses in these young men. Las Vegas is a hotbed. I mean, our review, you know. I offered a kid at, at Silverado, you know, Donovan Pellet. He hadn't had an offer. I was the first guy to offer him. And then all of a sudden now he got power five, everybody. Okay. So, I, but, I, but I also had a relationship with Andy. I've offered a kid out of Liberty. We've had three, four, five kids graduate out of Liberty. One out of Faith Luther, Donnell Pumper. DJ is on our staff now, has a graduate yep. assistant. Yep. You know, so, that, so there's some great stock from Vegas. So when you go back and you look at all those kids, Ethan Dedeau, Liberty. Okay, Tyler Morris. Uh, Foothill, you know, D.J. Pumphrey. We have Ryan Henderson here right now. We have um, uh, Martin Blake here from Canyon Springs. Ryan Henderson went to Canyon Springs. So we, we attack Vegas because it's far enough away from home so these young men can grow, but it's close enough to where you can have support. And, and so Great. you got you want these young men to grow and develop, but you but you also you also want to make them uncomfortable because when you're too comfortable, there's no growth there. And I think this is far enough away. And we go get the guys that fit what we do. Whether you're a five-star or not, that doesn't matter to me. Do you fit what we do? Are you looking for – are, are, are you the fit to what we're missing? If I need a six four six five receiver that, 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 can, that, that can stretch the field virtually, then i got to go find that kid. I'm going to always go to Vegas. So I recruit yeah. Vegas. L.A. is my primary recruiting area. Las Vegas, those are my two primary recruiting areas. And, and I didn't give neither one of those up. And, and, you know, and I can attest to one, one of those guys is – that, that sort of got overshadowed during Gorman's heyday a few years back, right, under Tony and then his brother. 
um, and Kenny is was Elijah, right? Uh, mm-hmm. From Faith Lutheran, played for Vernon Fox, yeah. and he came down there and he and he put in some good quality uh, minutes for you. Coach, he graduated. He's, he he never had below a three point eight GPA. He's um now he, he had he had a he was in a pickle whether he wanted to coach or play another. He can have another year to play. He said, Coach, I want to be a coach like you and impact players' life. So he's at Concordia now getting his masters, and he's a graduate assistant. So that that's for me. You 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 have to first and foremost you you know the areas I recruit in the city of Los Angeles. In the city of Las Vegas, I want to go get young men that first and foremost been through something in their life. Okay, Funky. I want guys because that's going to have toughness. I can teach you. I'm going to develop the man first, and that football player show up. Elijah Cody, one of the most amazing guys around. Football, basketball, track. He was one of the most talented athletes in there. And I offered that kid at a camp over at Silverado High School out of, out of 150 kids. He's the only kid that I, that I took. And a, gr- a great kid off the field as well. Hunk, we're up against it. Listen, I appreciate you coming on, and I got news for you. I got your number. I'm going to be texting <laughs> you close to November 5th. UNLV, San Diego State, I want to get you on either on our show or on Cofield and Company, but we're going to get you on again. I appreciate you coming on, always showing love. Always, uh, always appreciate seeing you, too, when UNLV plays the Aztecs. Thanks for joining us today on our inaugural show. Thanks, Willie J. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. Hunky Cooper joining us. We are going to come back to wrap up the inaugural Throw the Flag. Gooch and Willie Ramirez from the Golden Circle at Treasure Island. Bob, this has nothing to do with you. That was a clip from Varsity Blues. <laughs> Throw the Flag back again from the Golden Circle Sportsbook, Treasure Island. And we were just basically deciding... How should we end the show? And this was a topic we couldn't do last year with Tyler because he doesn't watch movies. But now that Willie's here and he has a DVD player, I'm like, you know what? Let's talk about oh, favorite. No, no, no. I, I have a VHS. Player. Okay. <laughs> well, that's honestly, yeah. when they saw any, any movie that was made past VHS, was it really good to begin with? Come on. I, I like I, the grainy. I, I, I'm really contemplating checking out uh, eBay or something and trying to find a Betamax. Oh, there you Betamax? go. Oh, soak in that nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. Num, 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 Betamax, num, num. eight-track player. Okay. You know. So do, you want to, do we want to talk about sports movies or do we want to zero in on football movies? Since well, football no, well, is uh, well, my question we could do. I mean, we have, we have, we can do, we can do sports. I guess what I threw on this rundown was that you know everybody loves lists this right. time of year. Football, right. you know your top wideouts, your top this, your top this. So I, you know, I, I've thrown this out to three shows now. This is the third one, right? Is Cofield and Company, the Press Box, have been on as a guest host. Um, leading up to the football season, they start showing different football movies throughout the on cable or wherever, right? And you tend to stop. No, there's a, there are those certain movies where it doesn't matter where it's at, in the middle of it, you watch it. Some of them, eh, I ain't watching it. Some of them, you're looking for the next time it's on, you're recording it, DVR and whatever. Um, are there certain football movies that you got to watch before the season starts? Okay. I love, if you're going to go my all-time favorite football movie, I would have to say... This is going to be crazy. You guys are going to hate me. The Replacements okay. with Keanu Reeves, Gene Hackman, who was also in Hoosiers. I mean, it's like I love that movie. So if I'm going to watch, if I, that's probably my favorite football movie because, again, they were counted out, came back. And then on top of that, too, this is the second movie 
that Keanu Reeves played a quarterback that played at Ohio State during his college years. The first one was in Point Break when he was Johnny Utah. Now he's Shane Falco at the replacements. Both, you, played at, both played at Ohio State. Are you going to fail to recognize that Brooke Langton was in that movie? Okay. Brooke Langton. Who was that? The cheerleader that he oh, was in love. Okay. Come on now. What was she in? I, 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 she was in Swingers. Oh. She was the girl that, that the, the famous scene where he, Favreau finally gets her number and then uh, calls a bunch. He says, how many times, you, you know, wait two weeks. No, I'll wait this. And then he goes, okay, I'm not going to put it on the calendar. And then he ends up calling her six times in two minutes at two in the morning. <laughs> she says, Mike, don't ever call me again. Good day. So, okay, so that's your number one. That's probably my favorite football movie. Now, it's. Then I would have to say right underneath that is Any Given Sunday. Okay. Al Pacino and the speech. But my favorite part about that movie is how far-fetched it was because, okay, so you had the starting quarterback, he goes down, and then Steeman Willie Beeman, who is Jamie Foxx, he comes in and takes over. But, like, all of a sudden he's shooting music videos and commercials. Sure. I'm like, is that what happens when the backup quarterback comes in and rips sure. off a couple of wins? Right. Well, the, well, we just heard a clip from Varsity Blues. We saw what happened to Mox, right? He yeah. became the star. So. Mm-hmm. And then you also got you got draft day on here. Well, draft Kevin day. Costner. That's just because I'm a Browns fan. Oh, yeah. And you're just hoping yeah. that one day they could get a team together, and it still hasn't happened. This whole Deshaun Watson thing, I was just talking this over with a buddy of mine. It is the most Browns thing to ever happen to the team because they have been so bad for so long. They take this gigantic swing to possibly bring themselves out of the basement, and even more egg is on their face. That's why I like draft day. It's the same reason why I play Madden, because that's where the Browns win is on Madden. Okay. So you're hoping that draft day can happen. Will it? Probably it leaves. Not. It leaves you. It ends and leaves you with hope. Yes, yes and that's okay. always what happens. Oh, we always go into the season with so much hope, and I don't know how it happens at Browns fans. I don't know how we enter a season with hope. It sh- it should never happen, but it defies all science and logic. All right, so let me give you my three. Okay, um, three could be any one of them. I'm just going like so because it's a spur of the moment question type thing. So now I'm having to scramble, and I didn't type them down. So what am I thinking? And but. Um, I would never deny Remember the Titans just because oh. I, I enjoy the storyline. I enjoy Denzel Washington, the you know the all the storylines that come with it. Um, you know, you're a Hall of Famer in my book. The, the, it's just it's just it, it's a fantastic run through the dialogue. Um, number two, the original Longest Yard okay. with Burt Reynolds. Yes, has to be. My grandfather introduced me to that. My number one movie football movie is the first movie I ever cried to in elementary school. Brian's song. Oh, okay. Jimmy Conn, the late Jimmy Conn and Billy D. Williams. So those are those would be the three that I would like to line up. But that movie was about so much more than football. It was, but it's a football movie. Okay. Gail okay. Sayers. Gail Sayers. Story with Gail Sayers. It's a football movie. Okay, but, done. But I tell you what, um, so, man, we wrapped it, it up. It flew I think. by. Flew by. Thanks to Paul Gutierrez from ESPN.com. Thanks to former UNLV football star, San Diego State assistant coach, associate head coach, ah. Hunky Cooper, Mateo on the engineer, Magnum back in the box, Gooch. And Willie, I'm pointing at you, buddy. Hey, Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. This is your spot. Make sure you get down here. Join us Friday nights, Cofield and Company, Saturday mornings with Throw the flag. See you guys.